And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. My name is Imran Laska. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Tushi Gunawardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. And we have a uh, guest with us today that we have interacted with a few times, pretty well known to med Twitter, and today we're hopefully going to go a little bit more than skin deep. Get it? Nice. Uh, um, please do introduce yourself. Of <laughs> What? Awful. Come on. That was always coming. It's like when they ask uh, me, oh, tell me if it's a boy or a girl. It's, like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Go on. <laughs> I'd a quid for every skin pun. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, Dr. Johnny Guckian. Uh, I'm a dermatology reg in Leeds with a special interest in medical education. Nice. Wow, there you go. And what an accent. What an accent, don't you think? Yeah. So, it's so soothing. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about yourself, mate. You're saying um, you're into medical education. I mean, it's a bit more than that, mate. I mean, you're, you're pioneering social media, medical education, all sorts, no? Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of like, you know how whenever you're pl- trying to apply for med school and you do like Duke of Edinburgh and do all these like like swimming certificates and all that, I basically just like never stopped. Um, I just kept <laughs> doing all the the, the, the the annoying CV things. So yeah, I I um, do a few bits and pieces. I do social media for ASME, the Association for the Study of Medical Education. Uh, and I did mm. a, just did a, a, my master's in med eds uh, last year on uh, basically kind of on med Twitter. Um, mm. my Twitter got, got you guys got coded. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you'll make there the paper yet, but oh. right now, <laughs> um, wow. but yeah, honestly, it was that that was great fun and learned loads about. Um, it basically meant that I could sit down and go on my Twitter and not feel like I was procrastinating. Ah, uh, nice, was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah and, and so I do a bit of um stuff for our, our Royal College Physicians Edinburgh uh, as well. Um, mm. yeah, so uh, social media is uh, my vibe and uh. It's, it's a little bit different living in social media med ed land to being in dermatology land, but I'm trying to like bring the two together. Fair enough. You also do a podcast. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, this is my this is my um, well. I've brought in the um, BJD British Journal of Dermatology's podcast, um, mm. uh, and I mean that's just trying not to be a really um, boring nerdy journal club and have a bit of a chat about what like the real implications of dermatology uh, research for uh, for patients. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's good fun. Um, but again, yeah, I keep getting comments about my accent. Um, and I, I, I didn't realize it was quite a thing. Um, and like, yeah, honestly, when I, when I went to, I, I was at a conference last month in, in Boston, uh, and I interviewed some um, a couple of Americans, and they were like, "Oh, you've got the voice. You're the guy with the voice." I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, nice. They all sound like me where I'm from. I'm, I'm I sound posh for Der- for Derry. <laughs> I think that's been one of the fun things about uh, having you know meeting our guests and stuff like getting to actually listen to the voices and the people behind the tweets, right? Like that's been really fun. And some mm. people have been quite surprised about ourselves, Rusha, like as posh as we are, because um, yeah, I'm public school boys at mm. the end of the day. I would say this every week, but God, what's, what's been going on this week? Where do we even begin? Um, there's been some absolute uh, bin fires, um, uh, some repeat offenders turning up this week. Um, some people might not want to name because of, uh, I don't know, legal reasons. Yeah, they're quite yeah. Li- uh, litigious. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could skirt around it if we if we really want to go down that subject. But yeah, um, yeah, should we, what should we start with, Rusha? Well, um, there was a, a kind of lighthearted uh, topic on Junior Doctors UK, 
And um, mm. honestly, because we're going to have to quote them a little bit later on for some very much uh, not lighthearted comments um, or uh, threads, we should start with something that's kind of fun, which is what's the strangest thing you've ever seen a medical student do on the ward? And uh, this isn't to poke fun at medical students. I mean, we've all been there and we've all done awkward things. But I mean, obviously it does. I guess we've all got stories, right, guys? Do you have um, things you want to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got one. I, I thought about this and I thought, I, like you, I didn't want to just kind of just poke the fun at med students and be too too harsh from the get-go. Um, so I thought, mm. I've, I've got one that I did um, when I was a med student. I wasn't a very good med student. Um, I was like, a bit of a dosser and, um, you know, just, just messed about a bit. But in um, uh, my second year, OSCE, uh, there was I went my first station was a CPR station and I went in it was all going fine but then they asked the question about what do you do whenever they're choking and the answer I had to give was about an abdominal thrust but in my panic I forgot the words for abdominal thrust and instead said pelvic thrust oh, nice. so just kept set kept kept saying I would give this patient a pelvic thrust and I just kept saying it over and over again and the, the, the examiner was like what I was just laughing just more are you sure you mean pelvic thrust and by this point I was too far too far gone I said yes yes I mean that and he was just laughing his head off and I got 10 out of 10 on that station so oh no, wow yeah. clearly got the joke yeah so there it's a new innovative uh, treatment for uh, stopping uh, uh, preventing choking yeah, wow, pelvic thrust. And I threw shade. I'm sure you'd want to get into that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> That's right. Thrush, do you have any any good stories um, from? I mean, uh, I do. I mean, like I did plenty of embarrassing stuff. But one of the things was when I learned how to do <laughs> a neuro exam. And you know, like when you do checking proprioception, you um, you do it in the toes, right? <laughs> Where the toe, uh, one toe goes, you do up or down, right? I did it in mm. every single one of the toes. Of this, oh like uh, you know, like we have to do the examination with everyone, <laughs> every single toe, and nobody just, stopped me. Up, that's like this, this, this little piggy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't stop me. They didn't stop me. And the thing is, I swear to God, like <laughs> all these people must have just been sitting there, just for like, look at this guy. Like everyone's just watching. And sometimes, even now, even though medical school, well, that must have been like two thousand and three, two thousand and four. I still think about it sometimes, <laughs> like you know, like when I'm just doing something, and it will like pop into my head. Like, do you remember when you were just doing the little piggy thing with like uh, each? Uh, oh man! Anyway. Oh man! I, I mean, I really wrap my brains brains trying to think about um, something, but you know, for some reason, when you start talking about that, it, you know, where you still think about something that happened years ago, and it still kind of gets you a bit now. Um, yeah. something still gets to me now like after we went on elective through show I think mm. I went through some sort of minor very low mood like I just thought why can't life oh. always be like that like it was just mm. so good we had such an amazing time traveling around yeah. the world and all this stuff and then um, I think I just slept a lot I just kept sleeping a lot I don't know whether I was exhausted yeah. and I kept missing loads of clinics I mean this allegedly allegedly I may have missed a lot of clinics and by the time yeah. it got to the end of the placement <laughs> um, obviously I tried to get signed off and no one would sign me off because they'd never seen me before and then um, I don't know whether I'll say this is lucky or unlucky, but the girl that was next door to me who was on the same firm, I don't know what she was up to, but she didn't turn up either. And so um, the whole thing culminated. I had to go see like the, the dean or the postgrad dean or whatever. And we just sat in that room and he was like, you know, where have you been for the last few weeks? And I, I just kept quiet. And then she started coming out with loads of excuses. And I'm thinking, hey, you ain't even believe in that, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where you've been either. And I just kept quiet, kept quiet. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty done here, yeah? And he's like, listen, you know, I don't think I can pass you guys. I think you might have to fail this. And I thought, yeah, I saw that coming. And I kept quiet. And then she started crying. And I was like, ooh, 
that's a good idea. And so I kept quiet and she started crying and crying and crying and then wailing. And I was oh, wow. like, oh, wow, she's really upset, mate. Uh, and I saw, oh, you know, and I was like, I'm really upset too, but obviously, um, you know. <laughs> We're going to cry. Yeah. And then I just kept quiet. And then he, you could see how embarrassed he was that he made her cry and signed us off both. And that was it. We're done. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, genuinely, I still think about that. I still kind of, sometimes I remember like how, I mean, oh, she was, I mean, when we walked out, it was, it was a little bit scary because when she walked out, because she went, oh, thank God that worked and walked off. And I was like, <gasps> oh, Whoa. yeah, yeah. I was that's just like, so funny. damn, that's the skill. 3D now. chess. Yeah. <laughs> he got played. He got played. But then uh, yeah, I made a comment. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday mm. about like, Xander like tweeted something about whether I've ever been dragged before. It's about us talking about uh, Jamaican patties. And he was, and uh, he was like saying, like, why did you describe the bag as oily? And I'm like, mate, I was like six years old. That's how I remember it. But anyway, he's like, have you ever been dragged? And I was like, no, because like, I just genuinely start crying. And then Abby Carey replied being like, that's called the white woman defense. And I, and I was just like, oh, not well, saying anything. I mean, if it helps anyone, uh, that person wasn't uh, of that complexion that did that. And uh, I am forever grateful for that little move. Um, I think things would be turned out very differently if they didn't do that. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, I mean, Reddit's been uh, quite the source of um, a few funny things, isn't it? Or not funny things, been a few serious conversations coming up from uh, Reddit this week, haven't we, Trusha? Um, should we touch on another Reddit topic that came up? It was, um, I don't know, should we, go, should, we go for, should we go for racism? I mean, that was Already? a Already? Okay, yeah. already? Yeah, 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 fair enough. As, as someone, of, okay, God. Only as because you of... said that you had a decent story, so I thought that'd be a good one. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. As someone of colour, how do you respond to a patient who is making racist remarks towards you or your team? And that was that was posted by. I feel like I have to say it because this it says you laula lop, you laula, you laula. Uh, two hours ago, mm. oh wow, that's a really fresh, really fresh one. So it says context <laughs> happened today, and I just stood there baffled and walking away with internal screaming. Many a time I've done that, just internal screaming. You just don't know what to do. And he said the exact mm. words were. My daughter's married foreigners and the kids came out in all sorts of colours, yellow, green, blue, and a couple even looked like you. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't know what to say to that when they start to talk about all those kind of weird colours and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when that kind of stuff happens, it's hard to really, uh, you know, stand up and say something, right? Like, I, I always find it very awkward. And I think I'm kind of a bit more of a like, oh, can we just pretend that didn't happen and move on? That's not a good thing, is it? Um probably should call them out on that what, what do you think johnny i mean do you would you call people out on that kind of stuff i feel like you you want to in the moment but it takes it takes bravery um takes courage mm. and um unfortunately it probably usually takes prior experience with it um and maybe a, a bit of role modeling seeing other people having stood up to it i mean obviously as the, the um very extremely like the lights passing through me white guy um, here um i kind of tend to try to show up and listening in, the, in these in these conversations but um mm. you know whenever um it's not not been anywhere near as, as as kind of bad or hurtful as that but um get a little bit of anti-irish stuff a bit of anti-irish catholic stuff um, from time to time mm. um a lot of like oh when i say i'm from derry say oh you're from london derry and you just kind of be like oh yeah whatever ha 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 same joke but um, mm. I, I would feel that, that in that situation, I just I'm afraid of conflict a lot of the time. So I would I don't know if I would have the guts always to to stand up and be maybe a good enough ally. Um, mm. And I think that's something that that you know, as, as I say, takes a bit of practice and seeing what what other people yeah. are doing and and asking other people how they how they might deal with it. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like to challenge people, you are kind of it's not just about you know going into conflict 
with like another person i mean where where there are like societal expectations of main especially like being a brit right like maintaining like um not creating a scene like there's a scene mm. thing right and if you call mm. someone out it's almost like you're even though that person might have said something that's completely horrendous you by s like you're seen to be escalating by calling it out and um there's this thing about the scene making or whatever but then and so there's that but then also within a work setting it's even more challenging isn't it because then there's mm. professionalism and all that stuff that guise of professionalism um which i think people find like difficult and i certainly found that um is something that probably would have held me back from things ages like you know a while ago like i remember once a consult um uh, a patient was shouting some stuff at a consultant, like on a round, and I was like, uh, and it was on a ward round, it was so weird. And I was like, mate, what? like I literally I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, mate, why are you shouting stuff? And then he was like, where are you from? And then the consultant, like to me, and the consultant was like, oh, okay, let's just move on. And then, um, and then afterwards, I felt like a bit like, where did that come from? And two, like, why did the consultant then decide that, that was an okay time for us to? exit and i don't know it just was like this whole thing about avoiding creating a scene is there mm. but sometimes people need to be called out on these behaviors otherwise how will they ever like how will they ever get a chance to learn that what they're saying is out of order but um i did have a, i did have an example sorry go on i was just gonna say that there's this attitude of zero tolerance in it and then it's mm. supposed to be zero tolerance to any any kind of staff abuse um mm. but that's just not a thing mm. i think mm. we can all we can all agree um that that there is that power dynamic with patients that you're expected just to to kind of sit back and, and take it because yeah. mm. um because they are the patient and they are it's almost like the customer is always right yeah and exactly. yes okay, you know yes okay so we have to listen to our patients and and make sure that they're particularly if they're vulnerable that they're safe and everything but that doesn't mean that the power dynamic should invert so much that you should just sit there and take stuff like that mm. i mean from my point of view i think the i mean obviously now because i don't see as many people as i used to but um the odd time it used to come up i've kind of You've been there before you've heard these things before you know I've, I've been there plenty of times and so like you just kind of get i mean for me anyway maybe it's a bad thing you just kind of get used to it like someone i think uh, there was this running joke that i look like you know when amir khan had first come out as a boxer hmm. so a few patients on the wall kept saying i look like amir khan as actually i don't look into well maybe i don't think i do hmm. but um it, like i don't think it was based on my actual look they were just i was the only brown person on the ward yeah. and they just kept saying that and then you know it's like well am i really going to say anything to these guys i just i just left it yeah i, I don't know you just kind of get used to uh this kind of stuff I and mean, uh, i just don't think I, I often feel as though i could either have a really long conversation um or just move on yeah. you know and it's easy just to move on and also we are talking about uh, the majority of the time you're talking to adults right these people have gone through their lives thinking yeah. the way they're going to think one chance encounter with one brown person that answered back I d maybe i'm cynical i just don't feel like it's really going to change all that much so i just yeah. sort of um leave it and move on which is maybe uh, i don't know i, I guess that... now i'm a consultant i should maybe take it more seriously I don't well know. Yeah. i used to feel vexed about it when i thought people didn't do anything about it but then i realized that i mean like people are just going through different struggles right and so some mm. people have the bandwidth and whatever to like deal with it fine and other people if they're able to shrug it off and, and like rationalize it like you have done which is like look they're not going to change it doesn't affect me off we go then fine but um mm. i used to always find that if i if i did that if i tried to shrug it off i'd be left with that kind of dissonance afterwards and so the only way that i can kind of address it is by kind of responding a bit now because otherwise i'll feel like oh what in my head the voice will be like why didn't you why didn't you say anything like i, I feel mm. like that afterwards and so it's purely for my own like sanity 
that like I say anything at I, all. I've got to say, I've got to vouch for you on that one. When um, do you remember we were at that recent class through show? We were doing that class together, and then I think one of the our colleagues made a joke that may have been may have been quite oh, yeah, inappropriate, yeah. but it was a safe environment because we we're all trying to learn about how to tell jokes and stuff like that. And through show, Meshka goes, "I'm going to say something." And I was thinking, oh no, we're going to have a scene. And, I was like, and even though it was over Zoom and, you know, nothing really going to happen, I was like, oh, please, Thrusha. And I, I don't know what I mentioned. Thrusha, please, please. And thankfully for us, the person who's leading the entire class actually called them up and said, don't ever make that joke again. That's a terrible joke to make. And you're not in a position to make that kind of joke and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, good for that guy because obviously he was a professional mm. in what he was teaching. But yeah, I've actually, I've actually threw you there like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I was like, please, scenes. please, no, no. Scenes will be happening. Scenes will be happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah about enough. to have a, like a major scene. You're about to stand up and slap him around the face. Will Smith stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, which is a whole sense. other conversation. But um, yeah, I think there was another tweet. Um, I mean, I, I was kind of saying that you know, I guess as a now that you kind of as you become more senior, you do feel like you're more responsible, and you're kind of become more and more responsible for juniors. And I feel like sometimes um, people expect. Um, really good behavior because maybe you you you're seemingly at the top of the the, the hierarchy right and um i think i've seen a few little things turn up about like consultants versus juniors juniors versus consultants did you see all that there was um i mean obviously there was that kind of uh, that was a tweet from julia i think this week talking about how a consultant remembered her name because so that was um quite an eventful thing for her and um, she said it was a unicorn which i would actually agree because i don't remember half people's names half the time um you know uh, they just gray and gray and white to me but um in terms of scan by the way uh and then um <laughs> but then there was this stuff about what well, blood tests did you see that one through and, and yeah. johnny there was something about blood tests being um sent to the consultant in the middle of the night. that but that pulled a bit of a conversation didn't it a bit of a yeah. consultant junior divide or something wasn't it yeah this is quite a thorny topic so uh, johnny i feel like you navigate these spaces really well do you, do you want to tell us about it uh, I don't know. I think I navigate a lot of spaces and some of them go a lot, a lot um, less well than others, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this one was as much kind of that interdisciplinary divide between mm. GP and, hosp and hospital. And mm. um, there was a bit of, because I know Phil Lee was, was involved in kind of um, in the corner of um, uh, hospital consultants and saying, yeah. look, you know what? Um, I can't remember the, the, the details of the issue. It was about who t who's responsible for taking blood. And there was a lot of blame being thrown out, thrown around. And Phil Lee was trying to kind of get rid of that blame and say we shouldn't be in a in the same swamp throwing mud around, um, mm. which I thought was quite eloquent. And it's, yeah. a, it's a really good point because these things aren't about blame. There's The, the clear issue here was the system problem. It was that the, the service needed to be able to provide uh, someone, anyone who could take bloods and so that the patients could be safe um and mm. so you can only really navigate that particular problem by not blaming other people and just saying look this is this is what it is we need to fix it um it's not the gp's fault it's not the hospital doctor's fault uh and instead we have um you know some kind of like tribal warfare between different specialties um yeah. not always helped by particular role models in some of those specialties um I don't know if that was me just being a hypocrite and throwing some mud at, at a particular specialty <laughs> no, no, person. But... I mean, no, no, you're right. I mean, like, so essentially the the kind of tweet was along the lines of, oh, you wouldn't see a hospital consultant taking bloods as as a kind of um, corollary to the question, the kind of assertion that maybe GPs might be expected to kind of fulfill the shortfall of not having phlebotomicity at bloods. And then loads of consultants being like, did some today do a cannula today mm. like you know we have to mm. you know sometimes we do and um you're right like it kind of, but instead 
instead of just answering the kind of that co- that issue that's happening the general practice it kind of then just got a, a compared with ho- hospital consultants why like why and um mm. i think when we were talking yesterday at the prelims you made that kind of interesting uh comment about the new um the new president of the royal college of physicians so david oliver um who kind of uh, he wrote that article recently in support of gps and that's like a nice thing to see from the head of the royal college of physicians standing up for another yeah. specialty i think i think it's about it's about communication and and i keep coming back to role modeling but um there's been over the last couple of years during the pandemic there's been a lot of really bad communication from um like kind of educational leaders um and educational leadership organizations in particular like with um applying for foundation exams etc and i think generally even when kind of shit goes down generally people can be understanding and and you know if you level with them people are generally reasonable yeah. and you try to have a show a little bit of empathy um but unfortunately that doesn't generally happen a lot of the time so yeah. we should we should mm-hmm. celebrate it whenever there is good practice so i think david oliver is a, a good example of someone who communicates kind of well he's on twitter um and he wrote this article in the bmj um sticking up for gps even yeah. though that's not his particular camp um and mm-hmm. to see a president of royal college going into a major journal and defending another specialty was quite powerful i thought yeah. um so he's a good egg Apart from being a city fan, of course. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever see any of the other heads of the Royal College? I mean, can you think of any notable presidents of Royal Colleges who, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, not mentioning any names, rhymes with Armada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Oh, God. I, I wonder, Thrush, if you, ever became, if you ever became a Royal College of uh, whatever college. Big bodies um, everywhere. Yeah, I do wonder that this is my time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is interesting because it's like it's it's still communication what said unnamed um president of Royal College is potentially doing. Um <laughs> you know, it's still a communication mm. strategy and it's yeah. you know it's they they are advocating for their specialty, which mm. is mm. not necessarily in what everyone might agree is the most successful way, but it is it is they're still communicating and they're filling that vacuum. Um mm. so um that there there is there is something to be said for that. But it's mm. not. It's yeah. Think before you tweet. Generally, yeah. I mean, I do sometimes wonder whether because, um, like, sometimes when you see some of these college, uh, like uh, whoever we may be alluding to, you just wonder whether they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Like they're just trying to get their own back. You know what I mean? Like oh, maybe they've had you know repeated occasions of having a bit of a, a hard time with someone and decided that you know what, now I'm in a position of power. I'm gonna say what I want because I'm I'm the college person whoever mm. um kind of brings you to uh, our favorite twitter account fessel um so i'm gonna read this one out my math mm. teacher didn't like me at school years <laughs> later i bumped into his daughter at university <laughs> one thing led to another and i ended up going back to her place i think you know where this is going the most enjoyable part of the encounter was imagining how cross he would be that i was i can't even say it <laughs> <laughs> Shagging his daughter. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's one way uh, to, um, I don't know, get back to someone. <laughs> How did we segue from, yeah, from presidents of Royal Colleges <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm to reeling. this? I'm reeling. Skills. Skills. That's can I just say that? I, can I just say, I, 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 as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a chair of a Royal College committee, I am not wearing my Royal College hat tonight. <laughs> so I, say, I'm, I take no responsibility for any any Royal College discussions. Yeah, yeah, I, I just I just love that. I think Thrush is the one that introduced me to Fesshole. And yeah, I swear, every time I see that little logo, I just love And every time I get the chance to bring it into um, our podcast, I just love it. I love it. And that was just yeah. the, a, a very sad excuse to try and bring it in. But anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, 
Sorry, That's sorry. Okay. Uh, present company. I should take um, take into account present company. Uh, look, here's a here's a tweet. Grant Ingram's um, said, "Patient with occurring minor rash over many years, triaged by one 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 to be seen within two hours. <laughs> the system is broken." Johnny, would you not need to see that kind of thing? It's charged um, by Johnny. It's, that's why it's it? completely it's com it's completely outrageous. It should have been one hour. <laughs> like steroids, honestly. steroids, quick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, look. With in dermatology, it's a fact. It's it's generally accepted that we don't need to necessarily see everything, everything all that very all that uh, quickly. However, mm. there are a few things that there are emergencies. Just my my usual thing. There are dermatology emergencies, yeah. but just don't call me about the little one little spot you've got. Um, just <laughs> at four a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, thankfully I don't do nights anymore. But um, it's it, that reminded that tweet reminded me of of um a one 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 thing that I heard when I was a, a med reg and it said basically uh, a patient who was told that they needed to urgently come into any um because they said that they were bleeding when they were on their period. Oh wow. Okay, right. but then how okay. do you get to? I mean, that's quite the segue, isn't it? Going from there. Yeah. To, to well, they they they'd said they'd said they just said that they ticked a box or said that they, they said, "Are you actively bleeding?" And they said yes. So they said, "Oh, into any you go." Okay. Right. Wow. Oh wow. I, mean, I always think. Uh, you, do you remember in Scrubs where I think I was literally just going to mention this. Yeah. Is this oh, the dermatology emergency? Is this the dermatology? Yeah, 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 and yeah. the dermatologist is like dermatology, and like like his bleep had gone off, and he's like telling everyone a dermatology emergency. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go. It's a dermatology emergency. Like, this is so excited. Rest in his little face. Is that what you're gonna say that episode? Yeah, yeah. And then he turns up, and everyone's like, "Do you have any money?" And they're like, "That's all you think I'm good for." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can tell that's in America. I have no money. Uh, yeah, today, right? Dermatology. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if, I am happy to sell my soul to what big, big dermavit if they want to. <laughs> um, Wait, just just, re just rename something Gooky and Cream. And said, "Wouldn't you like some Gooky on your face?" Um, okay. That just sounds. You're going back to the fest hole thing, right? Yeah, I know. That's so so wrong. Trying my best, trying my best, and dragging God. the uh, dragging the podcast down God, God. <laughs> a few notches. Well, speaking of like terrible, terrible links, but uh, the Daily Mail. I guess whilst we're talking about just kind of like yeah, just disgusting things, uh, the Daily Mail. You know, like I just thought it was interesting to see there was a headline from them very recently, which was "Where have all the GPs gone?" And mm. like it was the sheer like brazenness of it, and it's good to see like my Twitter all had the same joke, which was like, seriously, Daily Mail, seriously, that's what you're gonna say? Like after relentlessly bashing them with kind of absolute nonsense for ages, and now you're gonna be like, oh, they've gone. Like where are they? It just seemed it it was it's like a it's like a joke, right? It's like some like a comedy writer's written it, surely. Yeah, um, yeah. They, I mean, they kind of like keep beating you down, beating you down, beating down, and then when you leave, you're like, "Oh, hang on, why oh, are you leaving? Yeah, oh, what's yeah, wrong?" Yeah. <laughs> That's actually an article. Yeah. There is an article. That was the article from David Oliver, wasn't it? Mm, really? Okay. I, it's it's just so silly because like they, I remember back during the strikes, just before the strikes, they said that they wanted to get what was it, six thousand new GPs, mm. and they managed to get something like minus one thousand or something, <laughs> or maybe even worse than that. Um, yeah. And yeah, we're trying to get we're trying to get new medicals. New, new, we've got new medical schools trying to get increased student numbers, and then we've got FY one um, waiting lists are like seven hundred eight hundred people, which is going to get worse yeah. because mm. there's just no strategy throughout and communication throughout the whole thing. It's like you're going to increase the student numbers, but not the number of places, and you've got bottlenecks at everywhere. It's just a it's it's really annoying, and we have to fix it. Well, I just was thinking. Well, I mean, is this a good time to talk about the stuff that's going on with the Royal College of Emergency Medicine because that's generated a lot of 
discussion. Mm. I mean, I saw like a response to some furore where they're basically talking about um, advanced clinical practitioners. And I think there's a statement they made saying we support them and we essentially see them as equivalent to CT3s. So I read that and I, I mean, I was just seeing quite a lot of responses, which are, um, especially in, there was some stuff on Junior Doctors UK, but also on Red, uh, uh, Twitter, where people were quite upset mm. by that. And there's just like a lot of discussion back and forth. Do you guys, what do you mm. guys think about, I mean, obviously they, they have a recruitment crisis, don't they, emergency medicine. So mm. the Royal College are probably trying to kind of toe some line. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's difficult because... On one hand, you can see why people are upset in that the the process of an ACP getting to that equivalent stage does not necessarily require the years of experience, thousands of pounds in exam fees um, and hoops to jump through. And so it does seem very unfair for for those who are CT3 kind of equivalent uh, as doctors. You, you know, if, if you are part of a college, you may expect your college to stand up for you um, kind of doctors first. But at the same time, you, on a systems level, we, we need to have a more diverse workforce in terms mm. of what well, both in terms of obviously with diversity and we'll, we might talk about that later but um in in terms of the different roles that that you've got because there's not enough doctors so mm. you have to be able to empower and support your your kind of allied health professionals as well so i don't know i don't know if there's a, a winner with this um and reddit really doesn't seem to like this particular argument no I mean, I always find this difficult. And I think there is an equivalent with what we do in terms of like they would, you know, there's a lot of rate reporting radiographers these days that do a lot of, you know, plain films and some are doing CT and some are doing MRI. And there's a lot of people that are entirely happy about that. I mean, that's the only equivalent I can draw. And I, I always think to myself, well, the thing is, we've got a problem, right? So you don't have enough uh, medical uh, people in general. You don't have, you probably don't have that many people going into emergency medicine in the first place because it doesn't sound like the nicest uh, or, uh, you know, lifestyle friendly job. And then um, so when you've got these problems, you know, how do you how do you deal with it? And so then one of the issues may be to try and get another subspecialty to try and come in or another sub um, specialty to try and come in and help. But then, you know, then you've got to think about like, um, what are you really trying to do here? Because people, I think from the Reddit thing that I saw, they were complaining that you didn't go through five year medical school and all this kind of stuff. But I think all of them would probably sit down and say all of that stuff was probably, you know, all that moving around and all those things probably weren't actually that that helpful towards their training. It didn't actually mm. bring anything to their training, right? Like, I don't see how any of that stuff can be, um, you know, like when I think about what I do now, like how much in med school do I really remember? Do I really need to go to med school to do that, do all the stuff that I do? For me personally, I don't think that's the case. And I don't know if that's the case for every single subspecialty medicine. And um, I think we spoke about this in a very early episode, Trusha, about like, um, sometimes I feel like, are we pulling the ladder from under us? Because not everyone gets to go to medical school. Not everyone can go to, uh, you know, make those sacrifices. But there is a point where someone is actually, they might actually be good enough. They might actually be good enough practicing wise to be a certain level. I don't know, like ST1, ST2. I don't know. Um, is it so bad that they, they can help or be treated on equivalent level? I don't know. Yeah. And you need the numbers. And if they're doing the job, then, you know, are we just upset because they didn't go through the hardship that you did? Hmm. Is that what's required? I'd, I'm not EM, so I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah same. I feel the same. Like, I, I'm not EM, so I don't know. All I can, all we can do is really kind of uh, regurgitate what we've kind of seen. And one of the things that's seen is that, um, it's really competitive. Uh, even though uh, emergency medicine as a training route looks uh, horrendous, there are it is still oversubscribed. Yeah, it's still I, too, too. I rate hard. anyone that does it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, but there's oversubscribed, yeah, so there's more applicants than there are jobs. And so there are the argument about filling rotors and stuff. I, th- I guess the counter argument mm. is like, well, you have got people who want to do it as doctors, 
And then they're saying, mm. I mean, is it? And I saw one reply, which was like, as a doctor, can I apply for those roles? Can I do it as like an ACP? Like, you know, because why do I have to do all those stupid exams? And why can't I just do it? Why can't mm. I do it that way? And then the other people are saying, well, ACPs, they, they do have to have experience, but probably, you know, as a nurse or a paramedic and, um, mm. but, you know, still, still lots of experience just in a, um, in a different role. So there's that as well. I think some of it, again, is a bit that the mudslinging argument we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when actually the, the problem really lies further up and yeah. it's, the, the, it's the bottlenecks that you talked about and the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the funding for places. Ultimately, we need to be able to fund more doctors. Um, mm. And if we don't have more doctors, um, then you, know, you, you, you can't just go for kind of cheaper... Well, how should I phrase this? Um, I think that if you have if you have more doctors, the doctor's going to be happy and mm. they're definitely going to be happy to have more support. Everyone is happy to have more more numbers on the ground on the day, of course, aren't they? Mm. But um, I think where people are getting frustrated is that they, they can't get um, into whatever specialty it is because we've got ACPs and, a- and A&Ps and, and PAs across the, 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 the spectrum of different medical specialties. Um, so I think people are happy to be to work as part of a, a kind of a broad workforce, but they, they um, want to be able to get into their specialty in the first place. And I think mm-hmm. that's the problem that people that need to tackle from a kind of a higher up strategic level. Yeah. More money, more doctors, basically, fix yeah. the problem. I think that there are a lot of trainees that are coming out and saying they're really unhappy with the Royal College because they're like, look, they've come out using all these really strong words in favours of ACPs. But where, where are those strong words for us? And they just think mm, it's a lot more political in their discussion yeah. about us. But yes, they've come mm. out with you know a really robust statement about ACPs. And we just want to see the same attitude towards us. And I guess uh, I feel for I mean, them it kind of way. brings us on. It kind of brings us on to this next tweet by um, Yath Prem. Uh, and he says the NHS losing incredible talent. Open brackets. Most forward-thinking junior doctors um, at a crazy pace, and from what I can see, they don't seem to be too bothered. It will be interesting to see the impact in a decade or so. I mean, this is kind of part of the problem, isn't it? Like um, you make it so unattractive for the people in the workforce that they they choose other avenues. They, I mean, they don't have to stay in medicine. There are things they can do. They can go to different countries. And I think even, I think Tech Priest, didn't he mention something about going, a lot Jesus. of people had gone to Australia and New yeah. Zealand or something. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a common phenomenon and um, becoming more common from what we, we know. Mm. And you don't blame people for that. I mean, they've got to do what's right for them, right? There's only so much passion for the NHS will really get you, right? Because mm. at, at some point, that passion is being exploited to to the absolute limit don't you think yeah i think one of the issues that we have is that the nhs doesn't always take an interest as to what people are doing when they leave um how how long are they going for are they coming back why did they leave there's no exit interview in the nhs really most of the time and i feel like mm. we can really learn from that if we sat people down and say look actually what was it that we did um, and how can mm. we, we learn you know, we're talking about a no blame learning culture well we don't really practice what we preach with that mm. um there was a, a thing is a lot of the time people do leave and then come back, um, especially at F3. Yeah. There was a really interesting mm-hmm. report from HEE recently. With a, it was a kind of a quality study. I think someone did it for their master's or PhD um, about the mm-hmm. F3 phenomenon. Um, mm-hmm. Though there, There's not a lot in there about leaving to go abroad because loads of my mates have and I've had to mute them on Instagram because I can't <laughs> bear to look at their much better life than mine. Um, but um, but, but um, it's really interesting to see why people take a break off training, for example, or just go and do something else. Um, and... I think that, that something like less than 30% of people go straight through training now from F2, mm. um, which mm. is incredible numbers. Um, um, so uh, so I, I, there definitely hasn't been enough research into that or at least a basic understanding as, as to 
um, you know, why people are, are so dissatisfied with the traditional um, pathway. I remember seeing a tweet, I think it was probably from a boomer recently, though, saying that, oh, you know, a lot of the kind of medical students and FI1s are disillusioned by what they see on social media because everyone's so negative and all this kind of stuff. What do you think about that? Because obviously, you you know, have expertise like in social media. Like, what do you... Sorry, that's a weird way to phrase that. But, you know... No, I know, I know what you mean. Um, so I think people see negativity and they remember negativity, but actually there's a lot more than just negativity there. I realise we've talked about a lot of negativity tonight, but there, there, there is positivity tonight. But it's, a, it's sometimes it's about what's newsworthy. Negative, negative stuff seems newsworthy. People are going to go and talk about that. But what mm. one of the things... Uh, I'm not going to plug my master's now, but um, one of the things I, I find whenever I speak to medical students particularly is that um, there's social media that is public and there's social media that is private yeah. and generally a lot of the negative stuff is in the public domain and then the, the privately people are going to go and just have their own communities of, and they're, they're all supporting each other they're all learning together and particularly since COVID because during COVID amongst students and I suspect amongst trainees as well um, all a lot of the traditional institutional authorities like universities or maybe some colleges and or similar institutions have kind of abandoned their, their learners um, and medical students in particular basically they've gone off into these massive Facebook groups or mm-hmm. or similar just to go and provide their own medical education for example mm-hmm. and so they're doing really amazing things if you kind of like peel back the curtain mm-hmm. and some have a look um, and it's really inspirational um, literally one of the people who marked my master said I was too like reverential towards um, medical medical students oh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, which, I, which I thought was cute to be honest yeah, yeah, um, but cool. but um, the, the, the yeah it's, the, it's, it's really cool what a lot of stuff is going on on social media but we just we do talk about a lot of the, the negative stuff yeah. but I think if you then look at the product of that negative stuff um, there's a lot of good comes out like with the um, tweets that Julia was sending last last night um, having a bit of an argument with some um, uh, with some idiot turf um and uh, out of out of that came a lot of people talking about pronouns and pronoun badges and a lot of people mm. including myself bought some pronoun badges mm. um so that's so that's so that's good so a lot of good can come from um a lot of bad yeah was that a segue no, yeah it's nice it's nice we should <laughs> talk about yeah, that that's very good. nice oh well my done. god everyone's having a go everyone's having a go at the imran jeez <laughs> another rival yeah he's like he's like st3 st3 level now isn't he all right well done <laughs> <laughs> i've got in yeah yeah, fair yeah enough. so <laughs> so like do you want to tell us about so i actually i missed this i'm ashamed to say um, I can't believe it through show. You're like the pulse of Med Twitter. I know. Literally, what was I nothing doing? runs through Med Twitter without you. I know. What was I doing? <laughs> what was I doing? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, what happened? So, is it a turf? What did the turf say? What, yeah. Can we say it? Um. So, so Julia shared a story about how somebody um in hospital had seen that she was wearing um her she they badge, uh, pronoun badge, and um uh asked oh said oh what's this and oh that looks that looks really good, um. And I can't remember the, the exact the exact wording of the tweet, but it was a very empowering thing, yeah. um, and it was supposed to share positivity uh, um, and um, um, uh, kind of gender uh, and uh, kind of pronoun visibility. Right. Um, and some idiot came in who just seems to have a really hateful account and said that she, you know, there's a lot of nastiness that so I won't I won't repeat. Yeah. And then Med Twitter kind of descended upon them um and you know rightfully questioned gently initially and then they just started lashing out really really horrible nasty things to some um really really nice people on my twitter and then eventually just they just deleted their account um so whilst that wasn't very nice after that (laughs) julia has posted some uh, a lot of like q a's about pronouns um um and you know a lot of learning has happened and people she put up a poll about um do you have a pronoun badge um 
uh, or do you, do you display your pronouns um, at work? And most people said, no, they don't. But a lot of people um, commented saying that they, they're going to go buy a pronoun badge, which I think is quite good. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take I mean, much. it's nice when... Yeah, exactly. It's nice. I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot from being on Twitter. I mean, obviously, there's a bit, a fair bit of negativity, but you try and take things as learning points and um, take something from it. It's usually there's something positive that comes out of the whole thing, doesn't it? Um, yeah. What do you think, Trusha? They're quite predictable with their kind of arguments and stuff, but it's quite um, mm. it's sad to see that they've kind of decided to descend upon her and Julia again. Um, and they seem to kind of operate in swarms. And it's really just kind of predictable, banal kind of stuff, really. And there's this peculiar obsession with genitals. Oh my god! Like the stuff about genitals, like um, they're they're obsessed. And I don't know. And sometimes they kind of go under the guise of like protecting rights of women. I remember once, like when I replied to Turf, they were like, "Oh, he must be a misogynist." Like I feel sorry for his female patients. And then I remember seeing that very same person responding to someone else, being like, "You're ugly" and whatever. And it's like <laughs> they just they're just to like an, uh, to a, um, to a woman like. It just see their stuff's like rooted in misogyny. Uh, it just seems so like hypocritical and just inane. And um, mm. sometimes I don't. I just don't quite didn't quite know how to like deal with them because I, I was just kind of bemused by how kind of peculiarly, um, how peculiarly predictable, but also just like how their arguments didn't really make much sense, but also were just just so kind of petty and I don't know. It just if. Um, I felt I feel kind of a bit sorry for them, but then at the same time they they kind of seem to organise and be really quite malicious. Like I remember once they mentioned my children, and they seem to like kind of tagging in employers and talking about and they all and they always like they like to kind of like um, threaten litigation in some way or like if your employer saw that it's just it's just so lame. It's lame. Isn't it? I think you know that same person replied to. Do you see that replied to Chris and they said something like, "I want to know um, the names of your uh, university, school, uh, pre-employers, your governing." But they said, literally had a list. I want all of this, and you think like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not giving anything." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why would I? <laughs> Why I'll, I'll send you my CV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, have my CV, mate. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, knock yourself out. Take my phone number as well while you're at it. Which leads us on. Um, to Tech Priest, doesn't it? Um, mm. Tech Priest this week um, complained about how his phone number got um, got given out somehow. Uh, I think um, some do the email, the um, Scottish NHS email, and then yeah. apparently his phone number was on there, and it got given out like that. And um, I, you know what, Trisha, I'm, I might have to. The odd person to ask for your phone number, I've obliged. I've just given it to them. I hope you don't yeah. mind. Uh, you might be getting a few messages. <laughs> if you do want Trisha's number, yeah, just feel free. I'll, I'll give it to you. I don't care. But um, yeah, yeah uh, Tech Priest wasn't happy. Um, what do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, he, he was upset, wasn't he? He or she was upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I think the thing is, is that um, it's like a massive breach of privacy, right? I can imagine, though, like when you try, if you were to try and get upset about this, as in if you were trying to kind of escalate this, I imagine the responses would be like, oh, you know, oh, it happened, you know, some kind of like terrible, like, excuse and then nothing. Because like, mm. that kind of level of incompetence is just kind of completely endemic throughout the NHS. Whereas if you make it a mistake, like if you left out kind of patient ver- 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 verifiable data, like on a bus or whatever, you would get kind of reprimanded, you can lose it, like, you know, it could, it could go, it, well, it mm. can go horribly, right? But, you know, because mm. it's a medic, it's like, oh, you know, oh, working in the NHS, blah. Mm. And the interesting thing was he was saying, he's actually got a separate, he or she, sorry, 
has got a separate <laughs> it's got a separate phone you're narrowing it down oh god i'm so good at keeping a secret aren't i um it, it just uh like what was i saying he's got a separate phone for work and so mm. it doesn't and even even then they gave out his kind of well, that's the thing. He was saying that's his, that's been his phone number, or she was saying it was been his phone number for the last twelve years. So, I mean, to now have to change it is gonna maybe it's a good idea. Purge a whole lot of people that you don't speak to anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah. It's it's why why yeah why do doctors have to do an SJT and not NHS IT? Yeah. It's just all sounds like a big SJT question, doesn't it? Yeah. What it I does, what I would it? do in that, in that situation, I just reply all to the entire um, <laughs> um, system and just break the whole system again so yeah. they can. They can uh, yeah, Access it. Yeah. <laughs> it does feel like one of the classic questions you get in those um you know when you go to a new trust and they'll be like oh you're in the lift and uh, you could be talking to your colleague about this patient is it the right thing to do to talk about the name and the etc etc thing oh come on man mm. i ain't gonna fall for that <laughs> and this is particularly juicy then maybe uh, <laughs> i'm joking um, I mean, there was something about wellness retreats, wasn't there? Like wasting, and I tried to find this tweet, but it looks, it's, it looks like it's since been deleted. So I probably what? won't mention the name of the person that said it. But do you remember this one? It was something about, yeah. um, you know, we, we spend all this money on training and all this kind of stuff, but actually like, you know, anyway, yeah. Do you remember this one? Yeah. Oh, was this was this the one about wellness retreats yes. and spoon, right. spoon yeah. making, spoon carving? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just read this and I just thought, where is where are my wellness yeah. retreats? Why can't I have a wellness retreat? I love a spa. Mate, I mean, yeah. you're you're living the wellness retreat. You're a dermatologist. That's the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah, I was I was thinking this when I looked at this 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 tweet. I, I thought, oh, I, you know, when I was when I was a medrag, I used to love going to the spa just to kind of. That's the only way I could really kind of chill out and I'd go for like a massage. Honestly, if I could have gone for, I could afforded mm. one a week, I would have done it. But um, um, obviously I couldn't. But um, yeah, I, I just thought, oh, I've not been to the spa for a while, and I thought, well, it's probably because like I'm not stressed and constantly screaming inside my head all the time. Mm. Um, so that, that that's a plus. Yeah. Um, dermatology <laughs> life is 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 busy, but you know it's it's not quite med level yeah that, that was the one job i looked at and thought no no no, no absolutely not there's yeah. it's just not going to happen anytime soon um, so yeah i need to avoid that at all costs yeah. speaking of which so when you go to a spa what do you get done what treatments do you go for on me specifically oh um i just get a massage just a massage yeah, yeah nothing like back massage just to clarify that just to clarify yeah um <laughs> you know what the follow-up uh, question would be to that one i guess we'll leave that to the imagination yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> What about you, Imran? I feel I feel like you're really sexualizing me, guys, in this podcast. This is, oh, I'm this really is, sorry. It's a, really sorry. It's a theme that keeps coming back. Sorry. It's going to be a fess hole soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Thrusha tends to do that to most guests, but mostly yeah, after yeah. after recording. <laughs> um, no, me. Um, I, I didn't really ever get into massage, and then I got married. And then every time we went on holiday, Robbie wanted to go to massage, so I would just got to, to like choose something. I don't. In truth, I don't really enjoy it. Like I always yeah. find it really uncomfortable. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm kind of. I'm one of these people that go, oh, ow, oh, stop, please, uh, ow. I didn't really understand. So we got there. We walked in. I thought, this ain't a massage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. no. <laughs> and I walked off. I was like, I'm out of here. And I just sat on the beach. And then it, it took a few hours for them to come back. They had a good time, apparently. Anyway, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I was thinking more like, would you like a pedicure or something? I quite like the idea. I've never had a pedicure, but I quite like the idea of having one, um, hmm. I guess. That'd be quite cool. I have had massages before. I, I love them. But like literally I fall asleep though. So it's kind of. Oh, do you, do you ever go for a massage after nights? No. It's a bad idea. Is it? Oh, just because you're, you're so relaxed and then suddenly you realise. 
like uh, and you think <laughs> have i been doing this for the last 15 minutes you're like a that's really embarrassing and b i've wasted so much money yeah <laughs> yeah it's one way of looking at things that's true no i don't i don't i can never get into these things i don't know i, I don't know just find them very uncomfortable for some reason um yeah yeah um was there anything else that we want to talk about this week i think well, um I think the, yeah, there, are, there are a few so that there's um one really really good thread from uh jamie lamb and he was talking and um oh, yes, honestly yes, yes. i mean i haven't heard people say stuff in passing about um a carbon footprint from inhalers but he kind of um mm. really uh, does kind of discuss it in a bit more detail i really recommend the thread so it's from may the 9th and it's by uh, mm. at dr j lamb l-a-m and he says, a lot of work has been done in general practice to prescribe inhalers with relatively lower carbon emissions. More clinicians are being made aware that metered dose inhalers are by far the worst culprit. I didn't know that some MDIs are much worse than others. And um, he was kind of, he, he put in a table which kind of describes carbon emissions per inhaler. So the salbutamol, the kind of, the free breath actuator, do you know the one that goes when you press the top? Have I put you in there? Mm. Have I put you in the picture? And that gives off 11 kilograms of carbon dioxide compared to 0.6 from like a diff- an alternative easy hailer and i think he then goes on to compare it to actual car- like a flight can you compare it to a flight somewhere no it's like driving from london to sheffield 175 miles it's the same carbon footprint as that inhaler that's amazing isn't it it's amazing when you think about that it's awful why why would you drive to sheffield <laughs> uh, have you seen the full monty apologies to any, any sheffield listeners <laughs> oh, uh, they, they won't be listening to that this is, be in that the is the take home point <laughs> um that's good that's I nice mean, john you were saying something about uh conferences as well weren't you you were saying that um yeah because because I, I, when i first kind of read this i just thought well first of all like why would you prescribe inhalers when you can just prescribe creams it's so much better <laughs> but um but then i was i was i was reading about um carbon footprint of uh, conferences and like meetings and there was an example of the american psychiatric associations conference which they had in san fran in 2019 and 2020 obviously they went virtual um and basically this paper showed that the by by going virtual they saved the uh, kind of the estimated equivalent of uh, of burning 500 acres of dense forest or 22 million pounds of coal um so that's a lot uh, of of trees like you know you could you if you think you could have just literally burned like half a forest mm. by just flying over to a conference um for you know for for a few freebies it's a bit then that's before you even get into thinking about all of the like the the, the free bottle of water that you get yeah. the pl- plastic bottle um yeah, or the yeah. lanyard you get you know it's, it's pretty dodge plastic straws yeah i miss that <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> think of the turtles. Oh, I'll put little turtles. Yeah, yeah. What about my drink? Anyway. Yeah. Um yeah, uh yeah, it's 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 amazing when you think about that kind of stuff, isn't it? Like how much of an impact. I mean, you kind of think that being doctors and stuff would probably be a little bit more environmentally conscious, but um that stuff like that does make you think actually, yeah, I mean, no, we're not. We're yeah, the same. Exactly. We're just as bad, Thanks, if not worse, with some of the I stuff mean... that we're up to. Yeah, I mean, I like, wouldn't have thought about that. Um, so thanks, Jimmy, for posting that. And there was this other kind of interesting thought which I saw, which is doctors who demand an RCT, a randomised control trial for everything, generally haven't done an RCT on anything. I discuss how easy mm. it is to say do an RCT and how hard it actually is to do an RCT. It's long. I hope you read it. And the thing is, is that I've um, just been reading this book called um, Science Fictions, and it's uh, written by a psychologist from Scotland, and he's just basically talking about the number of fallacies that there are, you know, and just how badly research is performed. 
and um mm. especially like medical research and um i think one of the problems is i guess with like obviously the importance of kind of like maintaining ethics and things but often means that there are lots and lots of hoops to jump through to recruit people for studies and stuff but how a lot of these um a lot of these kind of the bureaucracy and problems recruiting means that you just end up with terrible research and um, i guess it's kind of close to my heart but where people just say oh do an rct and then there are lots of things for example in cardiology that we do with very very little evidence um mm. for example like balloon pumps and in, in america they use a, like an impeller device which is like a kind of a device that you use for shocked patients which is really really mm. really expensive um, but they just kind of like use it like for everyone, even though, and um, they're like, oh, but you know, like theoretically it can do this and whatever. And then it's just funny. Like, and then for other things, like they're like, oh no, no, you need like RCTs for. And I just think it's kind of funny how we have this kind of weird relationship with research. I just thought that was kind of interesting to me. You know what? I think a lot of what I do is probably not all that research driven in terms of like they, you know, I do these steroid injections to people's shoulders and, you know, I've heard and re- when I did look into it ages ago, like there was some something saying that getting a steroid injection in your bum is going to do the same job as doing a steroid injection into the shoulder joint, but people still seem to seem to want these things. Uh, you know, and there's like hydro distensions as well, which is something I need to keep doing every now and again, and um, a complete pain to do them for me, not the patient. Uh, you know, fair enough, they'd want to get the needle, but it's me me doing the hassle. But um, the uh, but uh, yeah, apparently the research isn't that, that big behind it all, and you think, well, what am I doing it for? But it's kind of I don't know, mm-hmm. symptomatic relief. It's just something that we've always done. The kind of in your mind, kind of makes a bit of sense. Like, oh, if I put steroids, where the That's problem the is, thing. I'm sure that there was a problem, right? Yeah. But um, research-wise, not very much behind it. Um, I, I can see Johnny is just smiling away about talking about steroids. How much? How much <laughs> proof is there behind your steroid use? <laughs> you can't go wrong. No, I, I was I was actually thinking about because um, it's not just quant research; it's quality research as well, where, where um, it's just massively underrepresented um, uh, in kind of the, kind of the, the research world. Obviously, it's not it's not RCTs, but um, in uh, if you look at postgrad medical education, for example, most of that. It doesn't follow any evidence like why do we train people the way we do do we mm. ever think about curriculum theory for example do we ever try to, to put into practice some of the the, the all of the old, older philosophical ideas that are supposed to drive a lot of this no we don't mm. we just do things because it's the way we've always done them yeah. um i go into a lot of rants about this usually on twitter but particularly about tick boxes for arcps and tick mm. boxes for um uh, recruitment um and looking at points that you need to score it doesn't make like you know evidence wise it makes no sense whatsoever but we're medics and we like to rank each other mm. um so that's that's often why we do it um which is which is really frustrating yeah. um and then the, the other thing I was, I was thinking is that in quite a lot of research patients aren't involved enough mm. um and therefore you get you get this really skewed type of research where it's very doctor driven or medical driven um and pay, because patients aren't involved things aren't aren't you don't get you don't get the proper recruitment so you get under you don't get enough underrepresented populations in your research so the you know there's in dermatology research for example in the states i think you know black patients in particular are massively underrepresented mm. um and yet you know that has huge implications for the therapies that we provide mm. um so this really goes really uh, quite deep um in terms of how we uh, practice research yeah more than skin deep <sighs> oh nice. anyway nice. Uh, teed you up sorry yeah thanks i appreciate <laughs> it i swung i swung at it but like yeah the, that it. does lead quite nicely to the, uh, a tweet from quinn capers who was saying please answer honestly thoughtfully and retweet if a colleague asked me why do we need more diversity in medicine i would have a strong evidence supported answer and there were lots of people who strongly agreed 
I must admit, it was something that I wouldn't have been able to quote a paper for. And so I'm really pleased to see that there were people who replied with papers. And um, may I uh, humbly recommend a paper from the Journal of the American Heart Association, which is written by Quinn Capers. And he uh, performs a systematic review and talks about various different things, um, the importance of diversity in medicine and how that influences um, outcomes. So... Um, there is evidence out there if people uh, want to look for but John, it. Johnny, you were saying you were saying something about how diversity um, training, the diversity. Tra- I mean, there was something about how it can actually be detrimental to diversity if you have like a. You were saying something like that yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. So I, I mean, when I read this, I kind of panicked and thought, well, a I thought if someone asked me that, I would. I hate conflict. I would have just like, run out of the room. But um, <laughs> when I went and had a little little, little read about the um, um about kind of the, the issue. And, um, I saw a few papers that I had kind of looked at before, um, but there's there was a really good one I saw in the Lancet. It's called "Working Towards Gender Diversity and Inclusion in Medicine: Myths and Solutions." And there's just like one paragraph which really stood out to me, which talks about um, diversity training. Mm. Um, you know that kind of usually done in house. They get somebody in to gather a lot of people. Some of some of whom may not may may hold certain stereotypes. Mm. Um, and diversity training has actually been shown to be associated with reduced diversity. Um, and it kind of worsens behaviors towards minority co-workers um, mm-hmm. and creates this kind of illusion of fairness um, so that people who have experienced discrimination are less likely to be believed because if people say oh you know I've been to diversity training I can't possibly be oh, racist um, <laughs> um, so they, they recommend you need to like go and link in with um, actual organizations who are trained to do this because I think the evidence is um, a little bit better and the general suggestion is that you need to create a culture that is more empowering to um, to people to speak up um, and gives people responsibility to um, to call things out, just like we were talking about um, earlier, um, to mm. be better allies um, and also, yeah, be able be able to, to to stand up for yourself too. Yeah, it's interesting, this isn't it? I mean, you, there's you kind of from the out from the outside think, oh yeah, great, you know, having some sort of diversity is a great idea, but if it's not implemented. Um, the right way then actually has sort of the almost the opposite effect to what you'd expect right it's it's fascinating well, stuff isn't it all of this? yeah well yeah. i think the diversity training likes like some things can be a bit of a kind of um, a performative gesture and so it's kind mm. of it's when you do it for the sake of kind of doing it and not really understanding it but doing it because you want to give the illusion of it and whereas kind mm. of realizing or recognizing that it's important and two kind of different things um mm. yeah i mean I mean, we, we really like, you know, I love education, but education is not a very good way of changing systems and changing cultures. You can't mm. just go and teach it. You know, it's, it's just, it's similar to saying, oh, I'm going to teach everyone how to do, how to do VTE prophylaxis. Well, you might forget it in a few, in a few weeks time because systems mm. change and people change. Mm. It's not mm. a good way of, 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 of um, kind of fixing these problems. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that it, it matters because there was a paper I was reading, which was about um, dermatology diversity um, and um, in the states, uh, dermatology is like the second, the second least diverse specialty, mm. um, and it's one of those things that there's a this good paper called "Why Dermatology Is the Second Least Diverse Specialty in Medicine." How do we get here? And the the study talks about how, like, if you if you have got low percentages uh, of underrepresented in medicine dermatologists, that perpetuates health disparities mm. and actually care for minority patients because minority patients are less likely to access um, um, healthcare. Um, mm. And they feel that they're less trusted, um, less listened to, mm. um, um, and if they would have these kind of like physician allies. So diversity in uh, a kind of medical workforce is absolutely essential. Yeah, but I mean, mm. like the disparity doesn't even stop there. So even not just even in access, but say for example, there was a study I remember reading about black babies, and uh, they are much more likely to survive if they had a black if they had black um, 
mm. black doctors. And uh, that was the same for black women in labor. Um, and I remember there was another study that looked at women, didn't they? Uh, so women were more likely to survive if they had women surgeons. And um, I saw this, this other, uh, actually that paper from Quinn Capers, he talks about how, um, unfortunately, in consultations, it would seem that white doctors are much more likely to command consultations more if they had a black patient than if they had a white patient. So there'd be more, mm. even their approach to a consultation would change. And I imagine there's like an, there's probably like unconscious things that's going on there too. But like, um, it just kind of goes to show that there are things that we can't train out, as you say, like we can't necessarily train out. And just simply by having a diverse workforce, um, there's going to, there's osmosis and whatever, isn't it, that causes kind of changes. Mm. I guess it's just an awareness of some of the issues that can arise and and accept that these these can be potential issues is, is part of the way there, isn't it? You know, because that's part of the problem half the time when something gets brought up and someone doesn't believe you or they mm. think, well, you know, that clearly can't be true. And you think, well... I'm living it or I've seen yeah. it and they don't take that seriously because they're not even aware that that could be a problem because leads, of their own life experiences, isn't it? That leads yeah. quite nicely to another tweet. There was one from Benita Kane who talked about her daughter has long COVID. Mm. And she said, mm. I tried for six months to get her research bloods done in the UK, hitting brick walls in desperation. I took her to Germany in February and um, they tried some kind of experimental treatments out there. And I think things are improving. But she had a massive response. Um, she said that she was getting mm. DMs from all kinds of people. And I think... Um, um, we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we, about how it perhaps is increasing our understanding for patients who would have had chronic fatigue syndrome or, uh, or ME, like um, understanding post-viral syndromes better. And isn't it, isn't it kind of sad that it's taken this like massive trauma for people to be like, oh, actually, um, about stuff and mm. considering it more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the um, the, we're all just finding out now that I think the recent research said that um, MS is supposed to be mm. essentially long EBV, yeah. um, and people take MS seriously, mm. um, um, so you know there's a lot there's a lot we need to learn. I feel quite passionately about about this because again, it comes back to patients being um, involved. Mm. Um, the a lot a lot of um, this comes from. Um, back back it goes back to the um hiv aids crisis in in the 80s when um pa- there was a real patient movement towards patient and, pu- and public involvement um in research and practice um because obviously that there was there's certain communities and 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 patients who were just weren't believed and there's lots obviously lots of um uh kind of discrimination there with that with with that particular crisis but it, there are echoes of it in um things like long covid and, and me fibromyalgia the kind of medically pretty understood um uh problems mm, mm, and just generally throughout all of the commonality throughout all of those threads and um, which are quite different is, is essentially um medics don't listen doctors don't listen mm, um and we we take too long and patients are about 20 years ahead of us mm, um mm. like in dermatology we've got uh, at the minute and um, we're kind of grappling with this concept of um uh, topical steroid withdrawal syndrome uh, which is something that that we don't really understand but if you go on, if you look it up on TikTok, you're going to see millions and millions of hits, mm. and yet you'll have dermatologists who who hadn't heard of it six months ago, um, mm. which is really interesting. People would say it's not a thing, but we're kind of coming around to this now. It's 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 really complicated because um, we evidence is so slow to uh, to build uh, around mm. these things. Mm. Yeah, well, well it turns out you can learn a few things from TikTok, eh? Well, not for me anyway. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. You get you got some interesting responses to. Wait, was that on Instagram? You'd done like a chest X-ray teaching, and you were getting some. 
Oh what yeah, no. I think someone had tweeted something, and then they were saying, "But how, oh, does that X-ray look rotated?" And they someone tagged me in the doctor class. Did you think it's rotated? <laughs> so I thought, wow. oh, fine. I'll do a quick TikTok and I'll explain what rotation is. So I explained it, and then I just left it on the TikTok and downloaded it and put it onto Twitter. But on on TikTok, it went it went a bit nuts. I think it's got like one hundred forty three thousand um, views or something. But then what started happening underneath it was people started complaining about their own sort of health problems. Uh, even though it's got nothing to do with it. And so I think this lady was like, oh, yeah, you know, like I had some problem and uh, the doctors missed it. And uh, it's so ridiculous. And I should have got chest x-ray ages ago. I said, yeah, but I was talking about rotation. Like, what, what are you talking about? But I, I didn't get involved. But then someone else underneath was like, ND1251251 was like, <laughs> oh, and so asking about symptoms and all this stuff. It's like, we don't know who ND1251251 yeah. is. Why are you taking a history, mate, in the middle of a TikTok? <laughs> this, is on, this is so scary, this stuff, honestly, because there's there's... Uh, sorry, I ramble a lot about this, but there's there's not there's a lot of doctors on Twitter. There's a mm. lot of doctors on uh, well, on, on Instagram, usually kind of plugging their own influencing stuff. But mm. um, but on, on TikTok, there's not. And Reddit, Reddit, it, honestly, go on Reddit and look at on any look up any condition. You will find yeah. thousands of patients talking mm. about this kind of stuff, and mm. there are no doctors there. There is nobody of 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 um, kind of official repute giving advice mm. on this. Yeah. Um, and so that, again, opens up a vacuum to, to people who might not necessarily be qualified or the person you want to be giving advice. Mm. Um, and so you get a lot of alternative opinions. You do get a lot of patient empowerment and people supporting each other, which is great. But um, there really needs to be work done by, like on, again, on, on leadership and institutional levels of so uh, so that doctors and can can navigate social media so it's not just twitter so that they can anticipate mm. and go on tiktok for example and say well look if you want to learn about this go on here mm. but i can't imagine it takes a lot of effort mm. yeah i mean i think i actually had to do a talk for warwick uh, the other day about radiology and um i think one of the things i wanted to tell them about is that you know when you're a student or even when you're a medical student and you go through even as a junior doctor if you turn up on social media you suddenly become the go-to person that's just it. They don't see anything else. You, they, because you're a medical student, they think you're super clever, super smart, you know loads already. And when you've got a DR in front of your name, they already think that you know everything. So even though if you, that patient turned up to hospital and then that, some F1 who just qualified yesterday, that F1, no offense to the F1, they might be very good, but would probably be the last person you want to see when you're sick. But on social media, that person becomes the first person you want to talk about because they seem so like cool. They seem like, you know, charismatic. They're in the camera. So I was trying to kind of, um, I felt like being a bit of an old, I was being a bit of an old grumpy old man, but I was a bit like, you know, it's very easy to try and pretend to be something that you're not necessarily are. And it's very important that you know that when you put yourself out on social media, please do not like, I don't know, start giving advice. I mean, talk about what you know, but because I actually, I should send you this through, Sean. I saw a YouTube guy and he was a medical student and he was talking about a career in radiology and he's like a third year medical student. And, yeah. I, was, <laughs> and I was like, whoa. That's a bit weird. So I listened to it and some of it was accurate, but some of it was like, he said, oh, they don't do ward rounds, which is true. But then he was like, yeah, I don't think I like that because, you know, I think ward rounds are awesome. And I was like, yeah, but you've done, you've done mm. none. Mm. Like you're a third year medical student. What are you talking about? Mm. But this is what I mean. Like, I think someone out then there was always comments that oh, that was a really good video on like a potential, you know, career right. radiology. I was like, I'm not sure that's a good thing you did there, mate. I, I yeah. think that's a bit of a disservice there because I don't know what you're reading, where you're reading it from. And you're only a third year and people are taking you very, very seriously. I might take what you say to be true, which as yeah. some of was inaccurate. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I do think it's a very, I mean, uh, obviously, Johnny, you're doing research into this topic, but um, yeah, it does get a little bit dodgy. And I do, I do feel like sometimes people don't, are not aware of the 
responsibilities that are bestow- bestowed upon them just by the fact that they are presentable of the medical profession. Yeah. It's kind of about like social, social, so the social capital is completely skewed. Mm. Um, I, social media is, is supposed to invert hierarchies and disrupt hierarchies, but um, that's not necessarily always a good thing. And um, when mm. you're talking about giving accurate advice, um, I mean, my big bugbear with this is whenever you get medical students talking, oh, put, calling themselves doctor um, on social media. I've, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, I've, I've whinged about that before. Um, mm. And but it happens because people say, oh, I, w- I want to save the the handle for whenever I am a doctor, mm. and you're just like. I mean, you're you're a second year, yeah. bit presumptuous. Yeah. I mean, the odds are the, the odds are you're gonna pass, but who knows if your if Instagram's still gonna be around yeah. whenever you whenever you pass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty dodgy. I think I think students are able to calibrate around that. Again, mm. in, in my master's work, a lot of students would tell me that um, they would far more trust consultants, um, even if they've only had like a couple of hundred followers mm. um, uh, on Twitter, ahead of you know doctor medical students um yeah. one two three four five um mm. who has ten thousand who's just sh- sharing kind of gifts um so so yeah it's um are you doc are you, are you doctor medical student one two three four five um so yeah I, but, but there are lots of honorable people out there who, who will follow the wrong advice yeah I, and i just worry that um and i think also you know when you're i i still think that being a medical student uh, is quite young and um i think social media can come up with the challenges and and stuff like that and um i, I mentioned the dog story where i thought i might actually lose my degree because i might have may have apparently had a group that didn't like to, you know talk about not liking dogs but um <laughs> I you know <laughs> but you know like that that was scary i mean that's when i first had that idea of like oh social media is actually like a potentially dangerous place like i was just doing what i wanted but then when you realize that this could be the implication of, you know, this, that's when I changed my name and everything for, for years. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you got to be careful because this stuff can stick sometimes. Thankfully, it didn't for me, mm. but um, it can, in this day and age, it can do. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, social media. Well, that's pretty much what we, this entire podcast runs on. Yeah, and exactly. It sounds like you're doing a lot of work in that field, don't you, Johnny? So, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we're, We've been through a fair few subjects, haven't we? Yeah, um, we're Johnny, time, I think. Um, thank you so much. I mean, Thrush, did you want to go through anything else? Or? Uh, can I mention one more festival thing? <laughs> oh, oh wait i mean if it's festival, festival it's got yeah. like it's got it's like the golden ticket got, yes go for it so festival, sort of made the, made the night so was tipsy at a restaurant and flirting with cute waiter i wrote my number on a paper napkin put it in my pocket and later handed it to him saying here use it sometime and left next day i found the napkin in my pocket must have given him a used tissue never went back there again <laughs> mate (laughs) that's brilliant that's brilliant yeah all right well on that note um yeah Uh, thank you so much everyone thank you johnny i mean we've obviously interacted uh prior to this um, podcast and i really do admire the work that you're doing on social media i think it's going to be very very important you're very wise you're very wise thank you um I mean, oh, you know, potentially you. very, very, very important work, isn't it? Especially the way things are at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah, and as always, um, my Twitter, try and uh, not get yourself into trouble. Let's not get cancelled and uh, have a great week. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.